0: welcome to the life beyond the lens podcast the podcast where we talk to artists about the things that push them motivate them and inspire them to create what's going on everybody this is ken nelson and welcome to another episode of life beyond the lens thank you all for joining us today my guest today now i actually have two guests one may hop in a little later but the guest that's in with me right now is a writer director Brother, my friend, A Javon Ward. What's up, man?
1: Hey, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me. So good to be um, here. What's up, everybody?
0: Man, glad to have you on, man. Look, I wanted to bring you on and and um, first, you know, talk a little bit, about a couple of things. But you know, on this podcast, we talk about film, we talk about just all those things in life that happen. Again, I said like beyond the lens, you know, the stuff that people don't really talk about, right? Um, stuff that people don't see. And um, but I, I wanted to have you on, man, because <clears throat> I know. When we first met I first met you on a set of of our boy um, Tomji's film and uh, I just thought you was mad cool man It was just a really good dude and and um, we kept in contact and we uh, worked together again on the ival project you know I right. became a writer and a director but yeah man I mean I just wanted to just talk a little bit about that process talk about what um, inspired you to write d word and uh, we, we can we can get into it man but first though, I'm about to throw a question that has nothing to do with film. Okay. With the, with the, the with what's going on and everything, man, with in the world right now with um, black lives matter. And, you know, we got coronavirus going on and, and we got a whole situation that happened with George Floyd. And man, it's been, it's just, uh, it's been, this one has been crazy, man. It's, it, they all are terrible. Right. right. Definitely. All are terrible. And this one has definitely been, been different, man. And, and, I texted you earlier today and asked if you watched the Dave Chappelle video. Right. Um, you get a chance to watch the whole video?
1: No, I was I was out running errands, so I'm still about halfway through.
0: Which you got to, the, you saw the part. I mean, it happens in the beginning when he starts talking about George Floyd.
1: Yeah, i seen that part. Yeah, definitely.
0: What What do you think? I mean, just from what you saw, what do you
1: think about that video? It's, um, it's, sad it doesn't fully encapsulate like the word that, you know, I don't know what word to use. Like, Sad, disappointment, hurt—I uh, don't know what word to really use to fully express what I feel. I think a lot of times when I was younger, I—I I would see something like that. Uh, like growing up in Detroit, it was Malice Green. You know what I'm saying mm-hmm. back in the day, yeah. yep. and it was like, as a human being, it's kind of like, oh, that's messed up. But then I go about my business. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like I wouldn't really invest too much thought into it i'm sorry somebody you know lost a loved one i'm sorry that you know that happened but now as as a as a 40 year old man as a father you know what i'm saying and it just affects me differently before it was like yeah it's close to home but it's not really personal but now it's like that could be you know i got brothers you know what I'm, I'm the oldest of seven i got brothers that could be my dad that could be one of my boys, you know what I'm saying? That could be me. That could be my son. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it affects me differently. And it's like, I don't, I don't really know if things are going to get better. You know, that that's just, that's, that's not me being negative. That's mm-hmm. just, that's just from where I'm sitting at right now, my perspective is this has been going on for how many years? You know what I'm saying? Centuries. <laughs> Centuries. So at what point are things going to change? You know, and we that's not something we can answer. We don't have an answer to that. Mm-hmm. But it's like I don't I don't see it getting better. I think uh and I don't want to misquote him. I think Will Smith said something along the lines of um this is not new. It's just being recorded now.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's yeah. like, you know, this is this is old, man. Like it's it's sad because as a child, you're taught to run to a police officer if you ever need help. But now it's like, you got to run, you know, don't run for the cops. But it's like, you don't you don't go to the cops anymore because, and, and I, I want to point this out. Not all cops are bad because I have, I have relatives who are on the police force. So I'm I'm, I'm not a cop hater. That's not what I'm saying. But it's kind of like, it's too many bad apples that's making all the other ones just like, you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's really, it's really uncomfortable, you know, riding down 696 and you see the state police behind you, you know, they don't flick the light or anything, but it's it's just uncomfortable. Man, I,
0: oh, oh my God, man. I, I hate that feeling. Like, I just remember, I, I, I get literally, um, and this has been years that this has been happening to me, like when, when uh, you're driving on the street. And a cop car just comes up casually. You you know you ain't doing nothing. It's like I get my palms get sweaty. Right, right. You know, and it's like okay, let me make sure I'm hitting the speed limit, but I don't want to go exactly the speed limit because I may look suspicious if I go <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. under the speed limit. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Or if I go a little over, he might you know want to be petty and get me. And all it. oh it's 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 this, it, and it's not cool, man. You know I've been pulled over, you know many times profiled, you know on Michigan State campus, and I've been you know I haven't gotten ticketed. I, I had white friends and black friends. I always was about um, diversity, man. Like, you know. Right. And so when I came to Michigan State, like, I I, I just knew the game. I was like, all right, you know, if I'm going to go out to a club or the bar or something, I'm about to put, I'm about to have at least 50%. My car is going to be 50% white people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I knew the game. I'm like, so if I get pulled over, yeah, I dig on the book and be like, oh, okay, well, you know. I, you know, because I remember one time I got pulled over. I had all black dudes in the car with me. He asked for all our like they all our licenses, and uh, and and two of I think one of my friends he was from uh where was he from? I think he was from Ghana. Okay. And the other one's from Cameroon. So, you know, they're like well, I even got your license. I'm like, bro, just chill. (laughs) I'm like, just chill, just get a license. And I know that's not right. You're not supposed to ask for everybody's license in the car. We didn't do any, you know? Right. But I think it's just that feeling, like you said, just getting scared and having a sense of anxiety when you pulled over. And it's just, it's like, when is it going to end, man? Like you said, like, I think when I first, when you first heard about George, how did you, what was the feeling? The feeling that came over me was I felt helpless.
1: Yeah, I, I felt. How do you how do you do that to another human being? You know, how do you how do you handcuff somebody, regardless of the crime he committed? Here in the United States, if if we're convicted of committing a crime, there's a legal process that's that's set into place. So so he didn't even get a child. He didn't even get a chance to you get a chance man. to plead his case. His his case never went on trial. Like how how does a how does another human being decide the crime you committed is punishable by death? Like how do you get to decide that? It it hurts, man, because it's like, how how come the white dudes get to go in movie theaters and shoot it up, go into churches and shoot it up, and they get handcuffed and taken to jail?
0: And they get sandwiches brought to them in the car. Yeah, come.
1: they can stop so, and say, yeah, you get know. happy meals and stuff like that. When, when we when we do stuff, don't even don't even hurt nobody. When, when we sell loose cigarettes, or if if we're walking through the quote unquote wrong neighborhood where we don't belong, or you know selling CDs or anything like that, they want to kill us.
0: It's a disease, man. I don't know where this is such a. It's a very difficult. <laughs> Subject, you know, and the, obviously, you know, I've been talking to a couple of friends. We've been talking about, like, man, just like the, the the root of racism, and and if you when you look back, you know, at slavery, even before slavery, when you look back, I mean, the whole concept of racism is manufactured. Yes, you know, what I'm saying it's manufactured, like it was created. It, I mean, the the basis of it really was economic, you know, it right. was it and. It it was manufactured, man, and it's it's like I don't know how it would change, you know, because you're talking about centuries of on the white side, you're talking about not even having to deal with it, <laughs> you right, know, right? It didn't really exist for them, and then it's like creating systems and creating constantly recreating ways to keep black people in bondage, whether it's physically or mentally,
1: right? Right.
0: The trauma and the bondage and the the separating families and and all these terrible things to killing murder for no reason all these terrible things it has it's has gone to the dna of the black culture i mean it's just like and then the hate has gone into the dna of the white culture again we're not saying everybody is like that but i think right. it's just so ingrained in this and i don't even know where to begin to fix it man and i think you if you look small i think sometimes we look at we look at the big things like big reform like it starts in the homes you it know does. it starts it starts up because people weren't people aren't born bigots people aren't born to hate that's not we're not we're not supposed to hate that's we're taught that right. and that's not god didn't make us he didn't create us to hate like that's not even in the spirit bro like you know what i'm saying right yeah exactly. that's, uh, that's taught and so it has to start in the home like white people that are listening to this it, it's not sometimes it's not about attacking a system like, that's easy. It's almost like pointing the finger. You have to start at home. Like, if you can change your child, if you can change your mindset and change your child's mindset, you're planting the seeds for future generations. And it starts at home. Right. It starts right. at home. You know, I yeah. said I felt I I said I felt helpless in the beginning when I first saw it, because I didn't even watch the video. My wife, she saw it when it first, and I'm like, I can't watch it. I can't watch it. I can't. And I just feel helpless because it's like, man, you know, mm-hmm. ugh, what is it going to take? You know, what can I do? Like, I haven't really said much on I've, you know, I've been posting on Facebook and I I just felt like I don't know what to say. Like, you know, everybody's running to to, to Facebook and they're they're posting. There's been people posting great things and heartfelt testimonies and stuff like that. And, And it's great to read it. But personally, I was like, I don't know what to say that is going to. And this is where I was. Now I'm in a different place. And I'll tell you, the shift happened for me. The shift happened for me, my boy, uh his name is um Frank Cage, he's my graphic designer, and he posted on Instagram that his son was playing a video game and the Black Lives Matter um insignia Pope popped up on his video game. Okay. And he was like, Dad, what does that mean? Why does that pop up? And so he had he said he had to have to talk with his son.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: And he was like, that was the hardest thing. He like he broke down afterwards because he's like he just felt like he robbed him of his innocence. So that's so even before that post, the shit for me happened, man. Like thinking about my son, and you know you look at your your kids and you're like they're innocent, and how can somebody hate your black child
1: right.
0: that 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 has done nothing to them just because you're black,
1: just because you're black, just because you're
0: black. And so I'm think you know. It, it hurts me to my core. I'm sitting here looking at this little boy, running around, you know, like, no care in the world. Yeah, like a, child, you know, like a child should do. Like a child should do, man. And then even as he grows to be a teenager, it's like, the white the white kids don't have to deal with that. Like, there's so many layers that a black parent have to deal with. Like, just, just keep it real, bro. Like, when you think about, like, we shouldn't have to think about, like, when we think about school, the child going to school we should just be thinking about this child going to school. You know, what type of school is he or she gonna go to? We wanna make sure it's a good school, you know? We, right. But we're thinking about this child gonna go to school. Is this teacher gonna like treat my child a certain way because uh, of his skin color? Uh, yep. Is this, is are the kids gonna treat my child a certain way because of his skin color? Uh, if my child does, you know, if he has a bad day when kids have bad days, you know, maybe he ain't get enough sleep. Right. Maybe he, he have a bad day. Is he gonna be sent somewhere and they're gonna put him through the system they're gonna try to put him through the system for one bad day because his skin color no type of tolerance don't have no tolerance you have no chances no chances that that you know what i'm saying for the same thing that a white kid could do my child my son will get zero chances so it's like you know what type of stress when I mean, you send them out like oh i know uh, are they that that's so much stress it's not fair and i think that's when it hit me like i'm like i don't know what to say But then as I stared at my son, as I thought about these things, as I thought forward and looked in the future, I'm like, it's not fair that you're going to be hated for no reason.
1: Yeah. And it's like, you know, because I got, you know, biologically, I I got all girls, but through marriage, I got a son. And it's like, you know, even talking to him and uh, even, see, it's, it's things that as black men, we have to worry about, that white men don't even have to worry about, don't even have to think about. Okay, we're looking to buy a house we have to we have to make sure it's black people in our neighborhood you know before we before we buy a house we have to know like you know there there's racism everywhere but is is this area more prone to racism as opposed to this area like you know like what's the what's the percentages of blacks that live in this neighborhood That's something we have to think about and really consider before buying a home and the year is two thousand twenty like that's something you know my great 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 grandfather should have had to worry about that shouldn't be a worry of mine but unfortunately the reality is it is and i think another thing white people who have black friends they really don't know even even talking to their black friends they really don't know what it is to experience this and I'll, I'll, i'll use this analogy my wife is pregnant right now and i've been here with her through the whole pregnancy but I'll still never know what it's like to carry a child. A white person could be best, besty best friends with a black person, but they'll still never really experience what it's like to live in our skin. And it's like, you know, I, I appreciate because, you know, I watched the uh, protests and everything and it's white people right there on the lines, right, right next to us, you know, and I appreciate those people. But it's like, it's, it's some people. This is what I don't I jump in subject because my mind, you know, about everything. This is what I don't like. Okay. After we're killed. They try to dig up whatever dirt they can find to justify just justify murdering us. That that really yeah. bothers me. That angers me because what does that have to do with, you know, what I'm saying it's not like it's not like the cop knew it's not like the cop said, oh, this guy has a past of doing this. Let me shoot him. But even if even if the cop did know that doesn't justify killing him. But somehow, I, I guess, I guess digging up his past, his troubled past just makes them feel like, okay, we just got another criminal off the street.
0: It's just blatant, man. It's a blatant stripping of humanity to justify murder, to justify it. This is why it's so important that we're, you know, we're storytellers. We're in media. Media is power like and to be able to tell stories and to change the narrative and to show images of black people in ways that aren't destructive to the culture is important and i'm saying that because the media is powerful man they plant seeds like i had to check myself during this process i had to do a self-inventory about ways that i feel about certain things in my own culture and i could trace it back to you know media a lot of times
1: Mm -hmm. right
0: and it's like you watch these images you know and all these images they just go into your eyes they go into your mind and they they're seeds they're planted and they manifest and grow in ways that you don't even realize and so sometimes like when that happens when they say oh you know this person did this and that it's like it's manipulative it's He's stripping away the humanity so that you can justify the murder. Because when you look at, when I mean, let's say the white people that get caught, you see it countless times that get caught for some of the same crimes or worse crimes. You know, mass murders and or this or that drug. Like it's just not the same treatment, and so it's blatant. It's like it's
1: it, it is. But I think the conversation definitely needs to be had. You know, and and, and I think I think the worst thing to do is to. Close your windows and lock your doors and pretend like it's not a problem.
0: And that's privilege. And when we talk about white privilege and we say that word, like I never thought about, you know, when you break it down and you think, you know, sometimes we just say words or phrases because we hear it and we just say it and we don't really understand the meaning of it. And like you said earlier, um, you made a comment about not having to, you know, worry about certain, like where you live like, like they don't have to, we have to worry about where we live. We have to look at all that stuff. We have to worry about sending our kids to school. We have to worry about sending our kids out into the streets. Like we have to worry about all these things, all this stress, all these stressors, all these things that we have to be concerned about. Um, And they don't. And that's it's... privilege. The privilege to close your door and your windows and to turn your, turn away from it all and to say, I'm good. Like we don't have to worry yep. about that. That's white privilege. The conversation needs to be had you know and, and again i say i'll say man I, i've grew up like i've always been about diversity like i've always thought racism was stupid like see i was like it's dumb right. like i get differences right. they're exactly. cultural differences like you know my wife is from jamaica so that's like we have similarities we have differences like if you sit down like i've had i have a lot of white friends i went to michigan state and we man that the friends that i care about deeply and we have differences, cultural differences, but we have a lot of similarities. We're yeah. yeah. human. Like and so it's like I've always thought racism was stupid and I just never intellectually you can look at it and read the history books and understand like but when you really sit back and look yeah. at it, it's dumb. So it's just crazy to to see that, to see the, the many centuries the devastation and the lives that were lost and, and just the, the destruction of families and the destruction of the black body and the mind. And, but, you know, you can say we're still here <laughs> and through all of it, the resiliency, man, like, you know, the resiliency. And so, I mean, change, change comes like, again, I think we look at these big systems and these swooping things that need to, you know, need to topple the system above. but Yeah. Yeah. There needs to be laws and things and, and stuff needs to happen on a higher level, you know, in politics and in, in, in corporations. And in, but still, it starts where you are with what you have. And it starts with white families and black families and, you know, Asian and Hispanic and, and Indian. It, it starts at home. <laughs> it starts saying, you know, we can change the future by changing our household. Like, you know, and if that happened collectively, if that happened, You know, that has a ripple effect, man. And you begin to see change because those kids would grow up and become leaders and policymakers. And, you know, and so I think there always be resistance. There always, I mean, you know, there's always got to be a villain. This is this one really, this one shifts. There's a shift though. There is a shift
1: happening. Yeah. And, and I, I, I could appreciate the small steps that's in the effort that's being made. Like, you know, uh, eliminating the confederate flags and uh pulling down certain statues you know i uh i think that's a small step in the right direction you know but obviously that's not the solution yeah that's not the and answer that's so, not the solution you know um but it's it's just unfortunate because of every every case that we hear about a black a black man being slain in the media there's probably hundreds that we don't even hear about you know that don't that don't make the the evening news so you know if if I could go spiritual for a minute is the issue is seeing, you know what I mean like it's all the, the the issue is seeing and seeing just manifests in different different ways but it's like i i guess i just i just look forward to living my life in heaven man cuz like this life is just it's, it's too many uncertainties it's too many too much fear you know it's too much it's too much stuff that you have to worry about that you shouldn't you you should just wake up go to work you know try to do the right thing come home enjoy dinner with your family talk about the day but the reality is that's not how life really is and i just thank god that i have a relationship with him that you know is carrying me through this and then even, you know, through my salvation, it's like, you know, because um, when, when the coronavirus hit, everybody was saying, oh, I got to get right with God. I, I've been right with God. You know, what I'm, I'm not perfect. I still sin. I still have shortcomings. But don't don't wait till, till tragedy strikes to say I got to get right with God. You know, so for people listening, man, just Jesus is the answer, man. Like, I just had to. Th- just had to say that, man, because that's that's what got me through everything in my life, my divorce and and everything, man. Like, I I can't pretend like I did any, any of this on my own. Is all my help comes from God.
0: But I think you know when you said sometimes you just want to, you just can't wait to get to heaven. And I'm like, but I I think there's things to be done that we if there's a purpose, like God I put agree. us here I for agree. a purpose. I agree. You know, and so I think we have to understand what that purpose is, and and operate in line and in synergy with with God and, and fulfill that purpose before. And I think sometimes you know, my family, I have people in my family, and and, and you know, you hear people that oh, we're gonna be praying, we're gonna be praying, and prayer is is good. You pray, you pray without ceasing, and you pray, and and God answers prayers but God also like rewards faith and action, you know? And so I'm always, you know, and I think again, like I said, I felt helpless at first because, and I didn't really post about this, like my words on social media really, because I just didn't know what to say. I'm like, what, how can, what, what, what am I going to say that's going to shift and change? And so, but again, like I said, as I watched my son, as I, thought about this more and just let and i'm like i have a platform sometimes i think we gotta we think about the platform Oh, we gotta have millions of followers and we gotta be balling with money and we gotta it's like no i i have a platform now i've been blessed to be able to make a film that has put me out in front of people and people are watching and listening and i'm like okay well who can i bring along with me how can I give them a vo- how can they, they they already have a voice. I'm not giving anybody a voice. It's like how can I provide a platform where people with voices can speak and we can this is what we're doing right now, man. Like it's like people are are like my wife and I were talking earlier this morning like today and she was just like, you know, people want to hear. It's like people are watching and listening and they want to hear about They want to hear us. They want to hear us talk. Black people, they want to, like, black people, we want to hear each other talking. each other have to say, white people are listening. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I think this is the time, if anything, it's like people are listening. And so this is the time for us to speak. Like I said, I wanted you on, man, because when you were on, when we did the live Q&A with the couples talking about, when we did the Ival live Q&A, and even before that, just the conversations we've had, like, I've always admired you, your willingness to just, like, just be transparent about what you've been through and like where you are and like your willingness to share it so that you can help other people. And so, you know, and the people that's, that's listeners that have seen I um, wrote and directed the D word episode three, it's about divorce. And so I remember like a couple years ago when we, we were at a, a networking event and you were telling me about, cause at that time you were like, you were still going through the process yes right yes. yeah and so you were talking to me about that and you said that you were in therapy and i was like oh you just said that like you didn't <laughs> have no qualms about saying it <laughs> <laughs> and you know the black men like we don't talk about and it's not just like it's like black culture a lot of times it's like just pray
1: uh huh,
0: yeah. take it to god like and but I'm like, that's not it. Like, th- there's something that, yes, like, I can I can pray. I can read the scripture. And the scripture is going to have certain things that you can pull from the scripture that's going to um, help you. But sometimes you, you have to, like, God gives us gifts and talents and and abilities. So, you know, therapists have gifts, talents, and abilities that God had blessed them with to be able to, Absolutely. you know what I'm saying? And so it's like, use use the body of christ right exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know and so talk about that though man like i know this film came from a deep place and so and just just talk about that process of divorce like you know okay what What did you go through that can help someone that's listening to
1: this okay before i do i want to just start off by saying uh what you've seen the character go through that's 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 not an autobiography that's not like I didn't go through all of that. So I just want to establish that. Okay. So I was, uh, my first marriage, I was, uh, we were, we were married almost, almost 10 years. And, um, and before things really got bad, what we neglected to do was go get help. We would have conversations and we would, you know, uh, we would both express how we felt about, you know, whatever the issue was. But there was never a time where we went to a pastor or a counselor or even another married couple to um, to try to seek any type of help. And it's kind of like, if you think about it, uh, anything you want to keep alive, if it gets hurt, you want to tend to those wounds. And if you don't, then you know what's going to happen. Um. I don't I don't really believe in the phrase time heals all wounds I don't I don't really believe in that uh time w- wounds do heal over time but it's not necessarily time that's healing them um so as I was going through my divorce my family had recommended that I go to therapy part of the reason is is because I don't really wear my emotions on my sleeve so nobody nobody ever really knows. My dad is real stoic, and I think I kind of get it from him. If something's wrong, you won't know. You know what I'm saying? We, we just don't show it. So um, I don't know if people were scared because they, they didn't know where I was at or if they really felt like I needed help. But it, regardless, I'm glad I did. And that was, like, one of the best things that could have ever happened because I was so – when when you, when you get married, you lose part of who you are and you become a new person. And I had, because of the way the situation was, I had lost so much of myself that I wasn't really recognizable to myself, you know? And somebody had asked me right after I got divorced, like, um, so tell me a little about yourself. What what do you like to do? And I was like, man, I don't even know what I like to do. I don't, I'm still learning who I am. (laughs) Like, I can't even answer that. Like, so, um... Therapy was, it was really beneficial. Um,
0: but you, so you said you didn't know what you want to do, but you found film though. You were, you were making films and, and writing. Yes. Um, during this time. So you, so did you not think that's what you wanted to do?
1: Well, thank God I didn't lose that part of myself. Like that, that part of myself stayed, but like everything else, like hobbies, aside from, aside from filmmaking, I didn't, I honestly can't, if I'm telling you, I didn't know, like, do you like bowling? I don't know. You like fishing? I don't know. Like, what do you like to do? I don't know. My my life was just make movies, kids, go to work, you know what I'm saying? Uh be a husband, repeat. You know what I'm saying? Sleep, repeat. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know who I was. And I I was depressed, man. I was I was really depressed without even knowing I was going through a depression. You know what I'm saying? And I, I forgot what all the symptoms are, but when my when my therapist ran down the symptoms, she was like, "Yeah, this that's depression." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Me? I'm happy!" Like, and she was like, "Uh, what what I learned was to to hide your depression, you could put on a happy face." Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And nobody nobody ever really you know had I not told people, nobody would have known. You know, and a lot of the things that that was. That was taking place. I would have like full blown conversations with somebody, sit there with somebody for like ten minutes, and I will I would just drift, like just zone out, and couldn't even tell you what we talked about. And I just was like, man, that can't be good. My therapist was like, no, that's not that's not good. Like you're not even here. You you like you know like almost like in some type of zombie state. You don't you don't want that. So um went through therapy. And I'm I'm so glad I did, man, because. It, it allowed me the opportunity to heal properly and overcome a lot of the past hurt that I experienced. It even, it even showed me the things that I did wrong. You know, my ex wife is not the villain, you know what I'm saying? Like I, you know, I, I did some, some things wrong in a relationship and a marriage also. And had I not went through that, that therapy, I would have carried those same problems over into my next marriage. Mm-hmm.
0: I remember you said something. You said therapy it wasn't for me. It was it was to how did you say it, man? You said it was to heal you for your next marriage. It's something I remember you said it something you said it a certain way, and I was like, that's powerful. Yeah,
1: yeah, because it really was, not I didn't know it at the time. Like I, I didn't know I was going to meet Tiffany, and then like you know things were going to play out the way we did. We fall in love and get married. I didn't, I didn't know that. Like you know, I, I didn't have a crystal ball to see that, but therapy. It was like I was a bird with a broken wing. My ring, my wing got fixed, and now I'm able to like go on and like just soar to to do what God has called me to do. So to write the D word, it was it was it was part of my experience and other other buddies that I had talked to who had gone through the same thing. And the thing about it is, I I could name before I got divorced, I could name probably. 20 people that I know personally in my circle that got divorced. But when I was going through it, I felt so isolated. Like it was only happening to me and like nobody else knew what I was going through. That's, that's just how I felt. So, uh, when we already talked,
0: you said you knew other people, sorry for cutting you off, man. You said you knew other, other guys that was get, get, going through divorce and you guys never got together and talked about it.
1: Nope. Nope. It was just like, it was like this. Hey man, what's up? Oh man. Yeah. uh yeah. We getting divorced. Oh y'all. Yeah. Oh, that's messed up. Yeah. So man, hope y'all be all right. Yeah. That was, that's how the conversation went. <laughs> it was no, Hey, how you feeling? Yeah. yeah. Hey, do you need to talk or any of that? It was, it was none of that. And then when I, when I started telling people I was going to therapy, they kinda of looked over their shoulder like, hey man, don't don't say that too loud. But it was like, No, I'm it's not something I'm ashamed of. You know what I'm saying?
0: And you you said something very important mm-hmm. a couple minute, minutes ago. You said again, you said that therapy made you better for your new marriage, your new relationship. Yeah. And that and, and so that's important because they they say the divorce rate, you know, the divorce rate is like what, fifty percent or something like that. It could probably be a little less now, but but, the, but, but you don't hear people a lot say that the percentage for second divorces is, higher.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like, Tell me. You know, yeah. it's higher. Yeah. And so it's like, why is that? Because you didn't take care of the issues. Like it wasn't like, sometimes you point the finger and say, like, oh yeah, it's all her, it's all him. And it's like, no, 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 you didn't take, like you said, you, there were things that you realized you did wrong in a relationship and she right. wasn't the villain and you got those things fixed. And you're going into your next relationship without the baggage. And that's what people, fit. that what you're saying, your boys weren't, y'all were not want to talk about it anyway. They looked at you like, oh, you in therapy. And it's just like, you know, well, good luck with your next relationship. Hope that it works out. But you're not addressing the root issues. Right. Like, right. It's, it's not always, it's two people in a relationship. It's like, you know what I'm saying? And so um, that was just important. Sorry. For, but yeah, that was, that was very important, man. It's key. Yeah.
1: I think about it like this. I, I just told you, like, I want to, I want to buy a house for my family. Okay, so I'm not getting a new house built. I'm I'm buying a house that somebody already lived in. Now, imagine if I buy that house and don't clean up, like behind the people that used to live there. And then imagine if the people that that bought the house before me imagine they didn't clean up before, you know, after the people that lived there, and then so on and so on and so on. Why would you want to live in a house with other people's dirt and mess and all that kind of stuff? So it's kind of like if if you if you if you get out of one marriage and then go into another one without cleaning up, like what do you really expect to come out of that? You know what I'm saying? And um, yeah, not putting her business out there like that. Uh, but you know, Tiffany went through uh, went to therapy also before, uh, or before she actually met me. She she went to therapy. So that that would have been a dangerous combination had we both not uh, gone through any therapy, man.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. The house is the dirty house is a great analogy, man. Cause you think about it. It's like, you have to sift through all the mess, all the baggage, all the stuff to even get to the heart of the person, the core of the person like, and then can you really survive that? Can you get through that? That's good that you both went through therapy. And so let me ask you, how is it different? Like how do you approach your relationship now? Yeah your marriage now
1: okay so when we 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 don't we don't we don't neglect issues that come up and we we already said before we even got married if things started getting bad we got to go to therapy like you know some type of counseling or talk to a pastor or somebody we can't you know that's like that's like you have i had to use all these analogies that's like having a car your car started making a noise so you say well I'm just going to turn the radio up louder. So I won't hear the noise. <laughs> you're know, not going to, you're not going to be able to drive that car much longer. I guarantee. So Tiffany and I, we went into this marriage knowing that, you know, neither one of us are perfect. I still have issues. I still have insecurities. We, we both, we, we talk about everything. We, we became best friends and we know each other like the back of our hands. And it's like, we, um, we just we just have an agreement and we have we, we talked about this maybe a month ago. She said it right
0: next to you, not she?
1: She just came in the room, yeah.
0: because <laughs> hey, I was like, it sounded like you turned away from the microphone. I'm like, oh you look <laughs> yeah,
1: in the room. She, uh, a lot of people a lot of people when we got married, we were gonna write our vows, but things just got real hectic and we ran out of time. It was like, all right, we're just gonna say the traditional vows. But I think a lot of people who get married, I think that when the pastor say, okay, repeat after me, I think that's all they're doing is just repeating after him or her. They're not really thinking about those vows. And like, we we think about our vows and we consider the other person's feelings and she'll let me know. If I do something that, that hurt her, she'll let me know. Believe me. And I'll what I do different now, before I would be like, well... I'm saying in my previous marriage. Well, I wasn't trying to hurt your feelings. Sorry if your feelings got hurt. Now it's like, okay, well, let's 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 talk about it. Let's see if I could have handled it a different way, or let's explain what I meant when I said that. And then she'll say, oh, okay, that's not the way I took it. I took it like this, and I'll say, oh no, that's not what I meant at all. So it's just about, you know, when you when you hear when you ride in a car and you hear a loud noise, you go get it checked out. That's what it's all about,
0: man. That's real, man. This this quarantine has really showed, like in my marriage, man. Like, like you say it, it's it is the vows, man. That's and people just reciting vows, and you really do you really break those things down for better or for worse, like sickness and health, like you know, rich or poor. Like, are you really really breaking those things and and really understanding what those words? Right. Really mean because it's like when you begin to it's like it's always fun you know everybody talk about the wedding and you oh the wedding is fun and the first you know when you when you get that 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 child comes into the picture and that yeah. child is yeah. can be challenging you know those challenging days like I was joking with you at the beginning of the podcast um before we start recording like today was on those challenging days with our son he's two it tests your marriage man like that's I mean my film uh my episode and, and, and i vowed unexpected requests i wrote that based off the first year of of having our, our son and just how it changed her how it changed me how it changed our marriage like if you are in a store like you said if you're not checking in if you're not having those conversations i mean it could de- there's so many things that can just destroy a marriage and it's like the vows are real man those things are real and, and having those conversations are important um and we've had plenty of those conversations over the years but Especially, man this quarantine is something special
1: <laughs>
0: and having a two-year-old in a quarantine uh Bro. has tested us man and you know and those vows and you think about it for better or for worse like yeah. you know it, it's like what does that mean like you say it's not just reciting it's like can you get through those times can you build can you grow closer in those times what did your wife think of just you being an artist man 'Cause that's that's the, right there, like too. I know um you're not doing it full time. I mean she's supportive, obviously I've seen it. She was on set, like, and just the things you said. And so, um Yeah, she she she's pushing you to keep she's, going. Uh,
1: she she encourages me, she pushes me, and um even days when I don't feel like it, she's like, Hey, you gonna write today or what are we doing? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna write. As soon as I finish watching this movie or <laughs> play the video game. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And and I told her, like, it's part of my process. Don't worry. This is how I work. You know? <laughs> and I'm I'm playing Xbox, you know? And it's like, oh, uh, yeah, but I, I appreciate, you know, all her support. And um even she, she doesn't get enough credit because when I was uh when I was writing the D word, I would ask her, like, does this sound right? Would would a would a woman say this to a guy? And she'd be like, uh-uh, that's, that's too wordy. Like she'd get straight to the point. I'd be like, okay. I go back in the room, type some more be like, okay, uh, read this. What'd you think about this? Yeah, that's good right there. So yeah, she, uh, she's, yeah, man, I appreciate her, man. I love her. Yeah,
0: man. That's great. That's, I mean, it, it is powerful when you have that support, you know, it gets you through those tough times. Like I, yeah, like you said, enough credit, my wife, I don't give her enough credit, man. Like, I, I mean, I am, even this podcast, I started this podcast and I stopped it. I i kind of have that inconsistency disease. I think, I think we all do, really. You know? um Yeah, man. And she's like, you have something to say, like what you want to do, it's great. Like, you need to do it. You need to bring it back. You need to keep going. <laughs> like, you get on my nerves sometimes, bro. Like, because sometimes I'm just like, I don't feel like I'm just not, I don't want to do it. Like, I'm like, it's, it's, um, it's just takes it's just draining and she's like well you know you, oh. and she's like you know you gotta do this post this can you get this to me so post this post okay now are you writing just the same are you writing Are you doing? i'm like she's on my head constantly man but i think i thank god for it because i mean naturally i uh-huh. i don't like to say i'm lazy like i mean when i gotta do something when i gotta get it done i get it done but like uh i rather watch a movie right. you know a lot of times right, i just right. honestly i just rather watch a movie and so to have her like believe in me sometimes more than I believe in myself and have her see that, like, it's a blessing. Um, and I take it for granted sometimes, man. So what's what what's what's next, man? What do you got what you got going next?
1: Okay.
0: Well, first before I ask that, like, I know we talked about and you you made two features and I know you said that they're not they were kinda of pre you were you were kinda of film school type features and then you have a film that's kind of you start you want to do a feature out of but it's a short it's called sweet tooth i saw right, sweet yeah. tooth like it's like a black sweatation kind of um film um but i mean why didn't those other ones see, did you just you said you didn't want them to see light of day because you was learning they were learning projects and, and talk about i mean a little bit about that for the people man just just how you and what right. you've done i know you you freelance too you've done video photography so just get a little okay. background
1: um just a little bit of background so I, um, let's go back to my early, early childhood. So, um, I was three years old. I'm telling my age now. I was three years old and, uh, E.T. had came out, Extraterrestrial by uh Steven Spielberg. And my parents took me to see that. And I don't know if they wanted to see it themselves or if they was like, well, he might like this. Let's take him to see it. But they took me to see that movie. And on the ride home, man, I swear, this is a true story. I told my parents, I want to make movies. And it was it was kind of odd to them because ain't no black filmmakers. <laughs> what are you talking about? So, yeah, I was three years old, man. I was three years old. And I told them that. And they they still remember that conversation. They remember that ride home. I said, I want to make movies. And, I, you know, obviously, I didn't understand, you know, what a director does and, and all that kind of stuff. But I knew at that point, I knew I wanted to make movies. So fast forward a little bit older, I'm sitting in my room on the floor and my mom, she knocked on the door and said, who are you talking to? And I said, cut. I said, oh man, mom, like, cause I had one with G.I. Joe's, like one was holding a gun, but it was a camera in my mind. He wasn't holding a gun. He was holding a, ca- a camera, a movie camera. And the other one, <laughs> the other one, he had like a stick in his hand, but it was a boom mic. And I'm like, oh man, mom, like we was, we, was, we shoot a movie. And she was like, oh, I'm sorry. So she closed the door and let me finish. Think He-Man was like, He-Man was my main actor and Battle Cat. He wasn't a tiger in my mind. He was a horse. So He-Man was like the main character. And I didn't have Skeletor. I had like some other little, uh, some other little toy. I forgot what it was. And like, you know, it just, it just created this whole little, uh, story and whatever from that. I just, I just always had a desire to like make films. So, uh, in my teenage years, I got a camcorder. I actually got bought two camcorders and just started shooting stuff. And uh, man, it, this is a long time ago, man. Do you remember the uh, the high eight uh camcorders? Yeah, I had two of those. Yes. Uh, yes. yes. And um, so I, I got all my stuff shot. And so I go to uh, man, hey, I'm telling my age. Circuit City, remember Circuit City? I went to Circuit City.
0: Yes. <laughs> I'm telling my age
1: too. I'm saying yes, all So I asked him. I said, I shot this movie. I need a computer to edit it. And They was like, you can't do that. And I was like, yeah, I need to edit this movie. It's like, yeah, you you can't edit movies. I'm like, no, you got. this has got to be a way to edit a movie. It was like, no, you gotta like send it to Hollywood and they gotta like put it in a machine and all this other kind of stuff. I said, no, I'm doing this at home. So I went to uh, Best Buy, bought a computer, and uh, I forgot. It was it was some software. It only allows you to, like, capture the footage to the computer and then save it as a file. And I was like, man, that's not what I want. So eventually, you know, um, technology advanced that was available for, you know, stuff was out there, but not on a consumer level. So obviously technology advanced mm-hmm. and then um I had uh I had made a movie that I wanted to show at church. It was called Yield Not to Temptation. So um this one I was I was young and adventurous and everything. Man, I'm telling you, I wrote this script in like an hour. But it it, it was like it was garbage, man. Like I'm not gonna say it was garbage. It just wasn't it just wasn't like, looking back, it was like, why the heck did I do that? But I wrote a script in like an hour. And then um I was calling people like, hey, you want to be in a movie? They was like, yeah. So we, I got all my actors together, which was pretty much my church members. And um a lot of the scenes, I would rewrite them and I'd be on the phone, like on, on my way to set, like, hey, get this. I rewrote the scene. I'm telling them the scene. I'm like, I'm just going to feed you your lines while we're shooting it. And it was fun man, it was fun. I didn't think about like, you know, I didn't know any better. Like I didn't know I didn't know about the 180 rule, I didn't know about, you know, the 30 degree rule. I didn't know any of that stuff, but it was fun. And so I made this movie mm-hmm. and I showed it and uh people came people actually came to see it and they enjoyed it. And I was like, "Wow, I'm doing this again." So a couple of years after that, I did um this movie called Ain't No Place Like Home. And I really liked that movie. The story was about, um, it was a family of four, mother, father, uh, daughter, son. They lived together. And just just basic, you know, problems that, you know, everyday family has. So the father had got laid off from work. And coincidentally, his mother-in-law, who they didn't get along with, they were just constantly bumping heads. She decided to come move in with them. So now his life is just just you know the worst now cuz he's not getting along with his mother-in-law. He can't go to work cuz he's laid off. So he's not going to work. So he's constantly there with his mother-in-law. And so um he comes to find out that she has like a, she's terminally ill and um what he what he, his mission and his purpose is to uh lead her to Christ before it's too late. That's what that movie was was that's mm-hmm. what that movie was about. Then, um, you know, I went to film school. Um, shout out to MPI. Went to Motion Picture Institute in Troy. Um, got a good education there in film studies. And um, after that, I just kind of, you know, you, you kind of juggle everything, being a husband, being a father, want, wanting to be a filmmaker, right, and right. you know, and um, just the responsibilities. So I was just working on just a bunch of short films and whatever films I could just find myself working on just to kind of, you know, keep my craft sharp and, um, working on Tomasian's film. That's where I met you and Sean Thankful for that. Uh, mm-hmm. thankful for God mm-hmm. just setting that up, man. Cause I almost something happened with my schedule where I almost didn't work when I film. So I kind of almost would have never met you or not met you then at that point. Man. So, um, I'm glad I did, right, man. Right. I'm, I'm glad that we kept in touch and, you know, I'm just and,
0: looking forward to, yeah, to what else are we gonna do? Yeah, man, for real. And I, I know you gotta go, man. And, and yeah, I am not gonna hold you. I just wanted to say to you, man, I, I just watching you direct on, on the D word. Like I enjoy watching you direct, man, and how you you just care for your actors and how you just treated everybody. Like you know what I'm saying? And how you brought people on that um I just remember being on your set and I heard somebody I, I think somebody was like, Yo, you know, we I'm so glad to be back. You know, I just haven't been done, haven't done this in a long time. It just feels so good to be back on set. And it was just, you know, confirmation for me because it was a, a risk. Like, I was like, man, I don't, I, it's just so many films, so many shorts, you know, they're not shorts, but they're episodes, but like, and there was so many people and, and juggling all these things. And I'm like, man, it was a risk because I was coming from a feature and where it was, yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying? I just kind of had my hands on everything. And with this, I was just like, let me step back and and just bring people in and just trust the people and like i don't know how this is going to turn out and then i'm just i just uh, i'm just happy that it turned out great and just to see you you know what i'm saying to see you work i can't wait to work at you again man and to see how you treated your people how you just how you care for the actors and, and the crew i mean I, I commend you for that and just just the, the, the man that you are man and so i appreciate you bro i know i don't want to hold you up any longer now you gotta get going just for the people where can they find you and follow you at, man? What's your What's your Instagram and Facebook?
1: Okay, my Instagram and Facebook same name, um, A, letter A, Javon Ward, um, A, and Javon J E V O N, last name Ward W A R D. That's my um, Instagram and my Facebook. All right, all
0: right, everybody, remember to follow Life Beyond the Lens on Apple Podcasts. Uh, and leave a comment, rate the podcast. Really thank you for listening in and see you next week.